Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Hello. Ask the Dean, episode 42. Scott Wright and Rachel Grubbs are here tonight. I think Dr. Gray is joining us in just a moment. Hello. How's everybody tonight? How are you, Rachel? I'm doing well. Doing well. Good. Good. How are you? Yeah, doing really well. It's a beautiful day in Austin, Texas. Sunny and 85 degrees. It's really nice. <laughs> uh, so poor Ryan has several feet of snow. Oh, that's right. And he's also having some uh, technical difficulties. He said when we lo- he tried to log on, we sounded like robots. <laughs> and at first I thought he meant like <laughs> you should emote more. <laughs> but he actually means he's having technical issues. There There's Dr. Is. Gray. Woohoo. All right. I have no fear. I am here. Yay. Well, we're thrilled. We like we it best thrilled. when it's all we three of th- us. Yes, the trifecta. Indeed. The triumvirate. Yeah, the triumvirate. That's right. Um, okay. That's right. So uh, we have a. We've got one, pr- one pre asked question. Pre-ass Do you question. want to tackle that, Ryan? I will. So Priya's question is not in the private chat because I joined after you put it in there. Oh, let me paste it again. I hate that they do that. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it says, I'm a junior by credits who came to college with dual enrollment credits. Because of the credits I came in with, I can take 12 credits per semester and graduate within four years. I've been taking 12 credits per semester since my freshman year, and my only B is from high school dual enrollment. Will medical schools look down upon this lower course low, despite my 4.0 university GPA? Very, very, very common question. Uh, Mm -hmm. Total credits, and how does that look? 12 credits is considered full-time, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely it is. Anything between 12 and 18 is full-time course load. So, I mean, you know, I I don't think that it'll affect anything with regard to the admissions committee looking looking at the record. In fact, I think... Many in, on an admissions committee wouldn't even notice, probably. Yep. So I don't think you need to worry about anything. Not a worry. Usually, and, and let's always give context, right? Because the, this question come as, comes up a lot specifically to us in the non-traditional world. Mm-hmm. Students who struggled early on, who are trying to overcome poor early undergraduate GPAs and now we're working full time or have family to support and they can only do two classes a semester or something like that. And then there's big concern. Like, well, I'm getting 4.0s now, but I'm only doing two classes a semester. Is that going to be enough? Right? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, that's, that's a little bit different story. Um, 
I think that, you know, what they want to see, what admissions committees really want to see is full-time course load. Uh, what, what are you going to be able to do? And now if that's not, that's optimal. Uh, if you can do full, full-time course load, you know, pull great, great grades in, in full-time all sciences. Uh, that's optimal. Acceptable. If you, if you're got to work and you can't pull full-time, uh, uh, courses, then you do what you can do. And, uh, you know, I think the, the admissions committees will understand that and will look at, you know, how you've how you're balancing everything and what you're doing, because you're obviously going to describe everything in your application and, and how this is played out and what you're doing now and et cetera. So, um, you know, optimally, you do full time course load uh, acceptably, then, it, you know, you, you got to do well, however many courses you're taking. Yeah. I, it's funny when students ask that question, they're usually asking it retroactively, right? After they've already done it. Right. And the question is, why ask the question? There's nothing you can do about it right now. It is what it is. It's, it's your specific story. It's your specific situation. You're going to hopefully get in somewhere, but there's, there's literally nothing you can yeah. do about it now. So, yeah. so why stress about it other than they want, we they want, va- <laughs> they want, they, they want validation for yeah. what they've already done and, and that's what they're looking for. So. Human psychology is such a fragile thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, it is especially when you've been living your whole life dreaming of this career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it, right? It's there's there's so much fear surrounding it. And I understand it, especially when when I didn't get into school the first time. It's like, uh-oh, like I just got told I'm never going to be a doctor, right? Which is literally not what anybody was telling me. I just didn't get into school the first time I applied. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's so much fear surrounding whatever situation a student is in going, is this going to prevent me from this dream? And the answer to almost every single fear and question is it won't prevent you. Yeah. At all. And, and I want to, I want to bring forward something that you alerted me to, Ryan. Oh Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Ryan? I, I do know. And I think it fits exactly with what you're, what we're talking about right now. Yep. And that is this quote from James Sherman. And I looked up James Sherman, and I don't know if this is the right James Sherman. We had a James Sherman that was vice president of the U.S. Mm-hmm. It could be him, or it might be a different James Sherman. I, I think know. it's a different one. Okay. So this is James Sherman, Ph.D., yep. whoever he is. I love his quote. And the quote is, you can't go back and make a new start but you can start right now and make a brand new ending. Yep. Awesome, awesome quote. I'm going to try to figure out how to get that on my Instagram. If I can figure out how to make a meme. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Got it there. There you go. I love that's, it. That's, that's fantastic. what so many students are in this situation. Yep. Worried about the start. And there's nothing you can do about it right now. But you can for sure start right now yep. and, and fix it. Right? It's it's the same exact quote and just in a different way of yeah. when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the second best time? Right now. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right now. Right. It is what it is. That's right. Um, yep. yep. So, that's right. Cool. 
So take that, all of you out there who maybe didn't have the best start to your undergraduate career, or maybe you decided later and your whole undergraduate career was awful or whatever. Yep. Think of this quote, start now making a new ending. Yeah. So, yeah. There, there's a student who messaged me earlier on, on Facebook. So today is, uh, today's the day where students, medical students are notified whether or not yep. they matched. Uh, they won't, they won't find out match day isn't until Friday. Yeah. Uh, but today is the, you matched relax for the rest Somewhere. of the week or exactly. Yeah. Or, it's yeah. so wild. Yeah. They get an email that's like you matched. And then it goes on to tell them about how they don't qualify for the failure program. Yeah. I'm like, I can't yeah. believe you have to wait five days to know where you matched. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this, this one student is, is a student who I had on the podcast a, a while ago. He struggled really, really hard in undergrad. He went to uh, BYU for undergrad and he had a family, had a kids, right? Typical Mormon family starting, starting early. And so he had a lot of responsibilities very early and he struggled because of that. He did a post back had all of those same responsibilities, struggled, applied to Caribbean schools going, oh, this is, I'll take the easy way out, right? I'll just go to a Caribbean school. They said, yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Caribbean schools wow. rejected wow. this student. And so he finally, uh, I, I think he found my podcast uh, and he had an amazing advisor, someone we both know, or we, we yep. all know with yep. uh, Kristen Anderson yeah. and uh, he did an SMP and he finally did what was needed. He, he stopped working. He went on to social service programs like food stamps and other things so that he could focus on what he needed to focus on. And guess what? He's actually a good student. He just didn't have the time to dedicate right. to being a good student. Right. And he did really well in his SMP, got into multiple medical schools, um, uh, and today found out that he matched into a surgical program. He wants to be a awesome. general surgeon. Awesome. So, that is awesome. Woohoo. He made cool a new ending that? for himself. How cool That's is great. that? That's an I love getting emails from people like that where where there's and we can celebrate with them, you know. Yeah. It's it's mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the match that everybody in the country finds out on the same day where they're going. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. A lot of people don't like the match. They think it it's uh old, archaic and disadvantages people, but I, I think it's the exact opposite. But yeah. it's it's a very interesting program. Yeah, it is. It is, it is. Cool. All right. Let's More see. questions. Do you advise going to a school for specific certifications, for example, medical assistant, for clinical experience or ascribing enough clinical experience? I know some schools don't see that as clinical. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I, I like scribing. I, I think it, it is good experience and stuff, but a lot of scribing, you're not, you know, you're just kind of a, a passive um uh, observer in the in the room and you're really not able to do anything now and it also depends on who the physicians are that you're scribing for in terms of how engaged they're going to be with you and you know showing you stuff and you know all that kind of thing uh, a medical assistant you're going to have a lot more direct patient contact 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think uh, that's an awesome experience. And, and I think MAs are a really great experience for, for students to get. Uh, if you have time to go get certification, you know, you can go to community colleges typically and get certification to be an MA. But <clears throat> some, med- some uh, clinics, doctor's offices will hire you and do the training themselves. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just depends on what you can find and things like that. But, you know, as to this question, we get this a lot, you know, Ryan, with uh, what's better or what's, you know, is this, is this good or is that better or whatever. And, and I would say do what you want. You know, if you get the opportunity to be a, be a medical assistant, it might be a good experience uh, for you. Um, neither one of them is going to pay very well. So you need to be prepared <laughs> for that. But uh, I mean, yep. what do you, what are your thoughts, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I, I go back to do the one that you think is going to interest you. Yeah. Obviously, being a medical assistant is going to be potentially a little bit more similar to. And I would I wouldn't even say that. I was going to say be more similar to actually taking care of patients because you're yeah. interacting with them, taking blood pressure, et cetera. Right. But the whole charting side of it is just is taking care yeah. of patients as yeah. well. So I, I wouldn't even say that one is is better in the long run. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think go back to uh, what you said. I would go back to what you said. Being a medical assistant it, where I am in Colorado, you don't need a license for it. You don't need a certification. You can go to a private practice and, and do on-the-job training. And so look at your specific state's requirements. Do they yeah. require certification? If they do, then you have to take a course. If they don't, then you can potentially find uh, a private practice that's willing yeah. to train you. And that's where we have such amazing resources like mm-hmm. YouTube, where you can log on and go how to take a blood pressure, how to take a patient history, how right. to like, how you can learn all of these questions yep. and show up a little bit more prepared than someone else. Yep. Definitely. But in terms of is one better than the other? I don't think so. And, and yes, no. there are some schools uh, that don't like scribing as clinical experience, and that's their their loss. Yeah, agreed. All right. What's the best way to get a feel of schools when choosing what school to apply to? The mission statement is sometimes too vague. How's is the best way to see campus culture, diversity, etc., without visiting because of COVID? I would say without visiting, period, because there there right. really is no such thing as this college tour. Right. Where you can show up uh, on a specific day, but most medical schools don't have just drop in times where you can just right. go hang out whenever you want. Yeah, that's right. So, that's what, right. How do you figure this out? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to, you know, zoom as much as possible and uh, figure out, you know, I, I would say uh, connect, try to connect with students at that school any way you can. Um, Sometimes you can contact the admissions office and, and uh, get, not for a tour or whatever, but get, you know, student information, give them, you know, connect somehow with students that way. Uh, connecting with students is a great way to learn about the culture of the school. And uh, they're going to, my experience with m- current medical students is they're going to be gut level honest with you about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you know, they're going to really tell you the way it is and what they like and don't like. And sometimes it depends on the day of the week. Was a test today? And so they think the world sucks right now or, you know, what, what's going on? So that may dictate how they feel about school at the particular time. But uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good thing to point out, right? I, I think a lot of students, not just specifically med school related, but just medicine related, will talk to residents and be like, the residents are miserable. I'm like, yeah, they're miserable. <laughs> don't, don't listen to them. Um, it's a very bad season in their life. It's very, it's a very hard time in their life. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think uh, I, I've talked about it before. I don't know if we've talked about it specifically live in public, but, but there's uh, some big opportunities that we can potentially do with maps, uh, things that I've tried to do with medical school headquarters, uh, in terms of gathering reviews of medical schools so mm. that current and former students can really be open and candid and, and, uh, talk about their experience with the school in in some sort of an anonymous, but verified way. And so we're, we're definitely, thinking about how to integrate that into mapped and the school lists and building uh, building a school list so it's yeah it's just a lot of research um i've talked about it previously just looking at social media channels looking at youtube channels looking just looking and looking and looking and and the one potential place where i do recommend going the student doctor network is going onto the school specific threads yes and seeing what students are talking about, asking questions there yeah. for yeah. each school. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. It's a good question. It's not an easy answer. That's right. That's right. Does it look bad to take more upper level science courses to be a more competitive candidate for your dream school? Or will it look like GPA padding? Hmm. <laughs> I think it depends. It depends on the classes you're taking. My my experience with upper level science courses is that not going to pad your GPA. You know, yeah. now if you're taking you know underwater basket weaving, then yeah, <laughs> then that you know that may be seen as uh, padding your padding your uh, GPA. But upper level science courses, no, I don't think it would ever be viewed that way. Yeah, I was I was trying to think of some snarky thing to add on to underwater basket weaving <laughs> to make it a BCPM course. <laughs> the the mathematics of underwater basket weaving, right. the physics of it. There the you physics, go. The physics yeah. of it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Wonder where that ever came from. Underwater basket weaving. I mean, I've heard that forever. Yeah. As what, the what's sort the other of. One? Do you know the other one? Uh-huh. The other one, rocks for jocks. That's always oh uh, yeah, that's geology. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, uh, I took geology <laughs> because I really <laughs> loved it in college, and the guy who sat next to me was Eddie George. Nice, <laughs> so, nice. I was like, well, back. there's one football player in this classroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have several uh, several friends who are. Uh, geologist, one of whom is a PhD ge- geologist, and uh, that's no easy stuff there. So, I mean, yeah. I guess the for non-users might be, but I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny. I've never met anyone who actually took basket weaving, but you know, I know I've met right? lots of people who have studied geology. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's why I'm wondering where that sort of came from. I don't know. Yeah. I, I somebody googled it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there's an issue of the American philatelist, 
whatever that is, um, from 1956 that refers to an Alaskan village where, quote, underwater basket weaving is the principal industry of the employables among the 94 Eskimos here. Really? Something, 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 something. So How I, fascinating is that? Yeah. I feel the like phrase, I don't want to make that reference anymore. It's poking fun at underestimated people. The, yeah. the phrase in its pejorative sense has, has been used since at least the mid-1950s. According, See, that doesn't make sense. If the, Why quote a 1956 article when they're saying, according to a 1953 article yeah. uh, in the Boston Globe, any snap course mm. in school is, quote, underwater basket weaving. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So we're using it properly, of course. One of oh, our students fun. just chimed in that they took a wine tasting elective. Nice. Oh, I took I took the history of sports and it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was a phenomenal course. It basically it was it was specifically football um, was the mm-hmm. the topic that I took, and it basically was the history of every football team. Where oh wow, how cool is that? Like, I would have why, loved that. Yeah, it was it was really really cool. Why the Chicago Cubs are called the Cubs? You know why they're called the Cubs? I have no idea. Because when they were formed, they played at the same field where the Bears played. And so they were considered like the little baby bears. Oh, they were, they were the Cubs. Oh, so they're it, cute. It's a really good history on all the sports teams and where their names come from and all fun stuff. Yeah. In 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 the part of my personal world, Bears and Cubs mean different things. And so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that that class is is a memorable one for me because that's the class I was sitting in during 9-11. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? We're all listening to the radio wow. trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, right. Crazy. All right, Crazy. friends. I'm going to bring us back to pre-med. Yes. Okay, yeah, so despite our little chit-chatty at the end there, <laughs> the student wanted to know if I take a bunch of upper-level science courses, is that padding? And absolutely not. That is showing your ability to handle academic rigor. So as long as they are, those upper-level science courses, go for it. Um, And Is it worth retaking a C in a prerequisite class? If you already did well in the upper division class, for example, retaking Bio 1, if you already have an A in Cell Bio, the thought process here is that prerequisite classes are graded tougher as they are weed-out classes. Says who? Uh, And that prerequisite grades are most important, says who? Or is that just a myth? All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a myth. I I, I don't think that at all. And I don't think taking, retaking the C in in, uh, bio one, if you, you know, really done well in bio classes thereafter, I I think that's a little silly. So I, I wouldn't do it. No. This is a very common question where, where I focus on, the the response is typically students are very very focused in on the micro and mm-hmm. i always try to pull them back to the macro yep. the, the macro is what are your grades what are your trends what does that look like not right. medical schools aren't sitting there going okay what did they get in bio one okay great what did they get in chem one okay good okay what did they get in orgo one right, right? they're they're not right that's they're not right that in the weeds they're like yeah. hey, what does this look like yeah Exactly. And, so, and, and I think it is a myth that prerequisite grades are more important than other grades. I don't think that's true. So, yeah. And, and I've never heard that grading is tougher in prerequisite classes. I, I've never heard that in 30 yeah. years of higher ed. I've never heard that. So, yeah, I think that's a myth as well. 
I think, um, yeah, I absolutely think that's a myth. I can understand the perception because especially if you're taking right. them early in the college career, just right. adjusting yeah. to the way college courses are taught and the way they're graded. Um, you know, it no matter, it, it, I mean, obviously I'm generalizing, but at most high schools, even if you're taking an extremely rigorous course, they're still breaking it down into little bits so that you know exactly when things are due and what work is done and you have little bits of work. And I think for a lot of students, the big change in college is the change to self-sufficiency that just high school doesn't, by its very nature, doesn't really yep. per, um, offer. Right. Agreed. All right. How do you feel about self-paced distance courses at a state university for prereqs? I have the chem, ochem, biochem series to take, and since they're all taken sequentially, I'm hoping to knock them all out in an alternative path. Eek. How do you do? I, I, I have to. I have to try to ask a clarifying question here. Is this student basically saying I want to take chem, ochem, and biochem? all at the same time so that I don't have to take them sequentially. That's what it seems like, right? Taking yeah. them in an alternative path. Basically, like, I don't want to take them sequentially. I want to take them all at the same time. So I'm just going to do a self Well, you can't. Yeah, part. that's not possible. You, See, no a question asker, uh, they asked this seven minutes ago, so hopefully they're still listening, yeah. um, waiting for this answer. Can you chime in and just explain what do you mean by an alternative path? Yeah, yeah. And I also have questions about the, the distance course. Because I know that biochem is, it would, would be one that I could see being taught uh, through distance education. But it, particularly on chem and ochem, obviously, I, I have heard of, of chem courses like that where they send you a packet for the lab part. <laughs> that you do some lab, I guess, in your bathroom tub or something, or I, I don't know. How many times has the FBI been called on these <laughs> home lab packages? <laughs> I smelled something funny coming out of that house over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this the student said some colleges offer them not on the same timeline as a traditional semester time. Oh, I see. Still take them sequentially. Sequentially, yeah. Well, some 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 med schools don't accept distance learning for uh, prerequisite courses, and yeah. so you just need to know what schools you're applying to and whether or not they accept distance learning for those courses. Yeah, um, that would be my you know my primary concern. It might work for this first semester, and then schools are going to go back into in-person learning once the vaccine right. kind of rolls out more widespread and then it's like well now you you're going to need to take them in person yeah 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 i'm going to take a slightly different tack on this so um it, it for sure what the guys said online courses are currently under covid being forgiven a little bit more but what really makes me nervous here is the word self-paced um i've been doing online education since since the internet existed and live online where you have to show up and meet with a cohort and hold yourself accountable is enormously different than self-paced. Um, and, and maybe you're the one who can do it, but the idea of doing self-paced work for those sciences sounds extremely challenging to me. Um, 
I'm not yeah. saying it's impossible. Some people can do it, but um, usually it takes a real aptitude for the subject as well as um, a lot of a lot of discipline. Um, yeah. So you know, I've done I've done self paced courses and done well, um, but I've never tried them with a with a science like that, um, yeah. and I I don't know how it would go. Um, you know, I, I know if I tried to do that in math, I would fall apart. <laughs> um, like I'm, I'm an okay math student as long as I have a teacher I can see regularly. Um, so that's just something I think you have to reflect on personally. Yeah, agreed. I agree. Alrighty, I'm interested in the logistics of in-state preferences. I've heard that Texas prioritizes in-state acceptances more than other states. Is that true? Are there other states that highly prioritize in-state students? Do all states prioritize in-state students? So what we're talking about is usually take funding from the state and in return prioritize educating residents of that state. So Scott, you're the Texas expert. Texas has a law for public medical schools, only 10% maximum of that class right. for public medical schools can be out of state residents, right? So yes, that is true for Texas. Um, Baylor's Correct. a little wonky, yep. at, I think 30%. That, yeah, about 30, 35. I, I was going to say about 30, 35%. Yeah, Brian, you now, cut know, out just for a uh, minute at the beginning of your... <laughs> Everyone's cutting out. Sorry, friends. <laughs> I guess we're having a little bit of audio lag. Uh, I was starting to say that, Ryan, you cut out right at the beginning. So if you just want to quickly say the public versus private thing again to make sure everybody got it, and then we can have Scott chime in. Yeah, so public public medical schools receive funding from the state and prioritize typically educating residents of that state. Private schools right. typically do not, although there are exceptions, as there are exceptions to the public schools as well. Right. Now, I know Mississippi, for example, or I would say it's my understanding that Mississippi Medical School, uh, University of Mississippi, takes zero out-of-state residents. As uh, I think Arkansas may be that way as well, University of Arkansas Medical School. Um so, you know, there are more restrictive than Texas, uh, and there are obviously less restrictive than Texas. And it also depends on what laws are in the state regarding how you establish residence. That yep. for some states, it's pretty easy. For other states, it's really hard. Just depends on the state. So, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, University of Mississippi... Um, it looks like one of the easiest medical schools to get into by all intents and purposes. Only 427 verified in-state applications. They accepted 165 students from those students. One person applied from out of state. Uh, they did not accept that one person or interview that one person. Right. Yeah, so the this is where the MSAR comes in really handy. Just yep. go, go to the schools and, and look. Uh, here where I am, University of Colorado is a public medical school, but the majority of our students are out-of-state students. Uh, and there's a lot of question marks around that going, well, they accept more out-of-state students because they want uh, they want more out-of-state tuition from out-of-state students. So they're just looking for a bigger payday. But I think there's there's potentially some misconception around that. 
actually paying a portion of the in-state student's tuition, which makes up the difference between in-state versus out-of-state tuition. So just look around. University of Michigan is another very common one, has more out-of-state students as a public medical school. Um, and then there are some private ones that that uh, that are more exclusive to in-state as well. So All right. All right. Just look around. Yeah, but it, that's, that is one of the more common things that that in my application renovation series, I'll I'll look at a school list and a student is a resident of one state and the the far 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 majority of their schools are public out of state schools with very very low acceptance rates for out of state mm-hmm. students and mm-hmm. and they didn't know any better they just they looked at MCAT and GPA and said oh I have a shot because of my MCAT and GPA without yeah. understanding the residency aspect of it. Yeah. Do you know if public medical schools prefer to admit U.S. citizens over permanent residents or green card holders? So a little bit of a follow-up mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott, as former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, if if someone was a Texas resident, a, a green card holder, permanent resident, yeah. did you care if they were a citizen or, or a resident? Nope. Texas resident, period. Yep. Yeah. Let's try it. Yeah, in terms of, I think just legally, they're they're like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, they can establish, uh, you know, residence in the state, whatever, and uh, so we didn't, you know, make any differentiation uh, between, um, you know, uh, whether they were a U.S. citizen or a green or a uh, permanent resident. Yep. No matter. Yep. Is a June MCAT too late to apply this cycle? All right. Can I give my spiel on timelines? We're we're working on this for uh, maps. This is exciting. But, and I don't know if we'll get into the weeds, but this is the, the, the weeds that I like to get into. So May, everything opens up. All right. AMCAS, ACOMAS, TMDSAS. Someone just died upstairs. (laughs) All, (laughs) All... All application services open up and you can submit either that month or later that month or beginning of June, right? June 1st is kind of the historic date that right. we did for submitting medical school applications. In between submitting an application and secondary essays, there's usually a several week delay, assuming you are very early in submitting your applications. A Comus delays applications to medical schools by a few weeks, sending them mid-June. AMCAS delays applications, sending them typically third week of June. Medical schools have no clue what's going on before then. That first wave of applications goes out. Secondary secondary essays start to hit your email inbox or your Uh spam. (laughs) Check check Uh your spam. Uh, And then historically, you you turn those around in two weeks or so. And, and by the time all is said and done, you're looking at about first, second week, kind of mid-July, by the time secondary essays are starting to roll into medical schools. Medical schools also at that time, admissions committees, right? Dr. Wright, you can speak to this. They're finally finishing up the last cycle. Going, right. hey, we're, we're finalized. Our class is done. 
We don't have any more spots to fill. We're right. good. Right. I'm going to put my feet up for two minutes and, and take my, take my vacation. And I'm going to come back August 1st and start digging through applications. All right. It's, yep. it's a very common timeline of end of July, beginning of August for when medical schools will go, okay, like, here we go. Back into it. Right. And so a June MCAT, let, let's say it's the end of June, right? Let's just to give a date. That score doesn't come back until the end of July is probably not going to hinder where you are in the grand scheme of things in terms of the application process. Now, there's a huge asterisk on that because the biggest thing in my mind that a late MCAT does to hurt your chances of getting into medical school is it gets in the way of your ability to write your personal statement, write your, your extracurricular descriptions, write your secondary essays, gather your letters of recommendations, do your school list, submit your applications early. That's where the biggest issue in my mind comes from. And so you can take a later MCAT as long as you're on top of everything else and you submit your applications to at least one school so you can go through the verification process yeah. for AMCAS and ACOMAS and, and get that over with while also studying for the MCAT and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Agree with you completely. As you should. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Throwing some shade my way, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think there's 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 just there's a lot of fear around, and I, I'm glad this fear is there, right? Because yeah. I've been a I've been a big voice in the pre med community about rolling admissions. Not enough students know about it. Not enough students understand it. They just go, "Oh, the deadline is November." Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll yeah. apply then. I'm like, no, like no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a big part of my my conversation at that admissions summit in Toronto was I, I had my team go and research medical school's websites and a large portion of them don't mention anything about rolling admissions. If they do mention rolling admissions, don't mention why it's important. Uh, very few actually said, we encourage you to apply early because early. of rolling admissions. Yep. Uh, and, and it just like that kind of secrecy and non-transparency or, or obfuscation is a, one of my favorite words uh, around that process really makes me mad. And so I'm glad students are asking about it because that means they understand that timing is important. Yeah. Agreed. Very important. Yeah. It just, to your point, it gets so complex because it's not that MCAT date in and of itself. It's all the other work that should be happening. Yeah. Um, either concurrent or sequential sequential to it and then yeah yeah it leaves open to, a lot of questions oh, let me see hold on one second um you can move on to the next question while i do this okay i'll see if i can find it yeah there we go okay should i consider a do school that hasn't had residency matches to the specialty that i'm interested in i have a specific surgical residency in mind mm. Mm -hmm. I like this question. Yeah, there, there's a DO student, uh, Danielle Ward on Instagram. She's a, a DO student matched into plastic surgery today. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a very competitive residency for anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I look. I I think I I 
if you ask me what my thoughts are on picking a medical school, residency match list is nowhere in right. that, that kind of list of what you should look at. Medical students, individual medical students make up a match list. A school doesn't make a match list. The individual students, what they're interested in, how hard they work to prepare themselves for that residency application, the research that they're doing, the network that they're doing, all of that stuff is what makes up a match list. And yes, going to a specific school may open up opportunities, networking opportunities for you, potential research opportunities. But that doesn't mean that a specific student at a school that doesn't have the networking opportunities or research opportunities can't go and make those opportunities for themselves. Right. So that's right. I I don't look at match lists for yeah. schools. Yeah, I agree. You're going to make it or break it yourself. Yep. Yeah. Um, going back to the, um, the question about the timeline, the timeline. Uh, this is kind of some secret behind the scenes. This is just a still image of our developer and me talking about timeline stuff and what it may look like in the future inside of Mapped. So this is just some a basic kind of layout here. But inside of Mapped, it'll it'll be a separate tab for your timeline, and and it would be specific to where you are in your journey. So yeah, excellent. It's gonna be awesome. Cool, yeah. cool little thing there. There was a follow-up to that question. Uh, I don't Rachel, I don't know if she saw it down toward the bottom. Um, the a, MD, PhD? Mm -hmm, right. Yeah, same timeline. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, same timeline. Yeah, I mean, the big, the big difference in terms of applying is just going to be those extra MD, PhD essays. Essays, right. That's right. All right, let's see. I took biochem during fall term and changed it to pass, no pass for multiple reasons. Turns out I received an A in the course, but I can't change it back to a letter grade. Nope. Uh, my other grades, that term, were letter grade. Should I retake biochem? Uh, no, I don't think so. I wouldn't. All right, Matt, micro question. What's yeah. the macro? Right, Are macro. All your other grades okay? Yeah, yeah. General. Yeah, exactly. This is, yeah, th th this is a great example of a micro question. Yeah. You need to pull yourself back, look at the big picture, yeah. look at the trends and stuff, look at the GPAs like we present them in mapped, and and you'll yeah, you'll get the big picture. The the little more micro question is what fall term. So right. right now we're in spring. So fall term would have been end of 2020. Right. The question is, are medical schools going to still accept pass, no pass prereqs for that fall term? Or was it only the spring 2020 when COVID first hit? So that's, yeah, that's a good question. question. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that question. Well, we're working on querying it. So it's... um the answer is it depends, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, some schools aren't saying where you're applying. Um, yeah. Some schools are saying, um, oh my God, I've forgotten what year we're in spring 2020 only. 
Um, Some schools are saying as long as COVID is a thing. And I'm like, well, that's a weird answer because COVID's going to be around forever. I think you mean like, when do we decide it's not a crisis anymore? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, and, and yeah, some schools don't seem to have a policy. So um, it, unfortunately, that's not going to be, I mean, you can look up every school that you're interested in and see if they happen to be ones that have answered, but yeah. you might get a range of answers. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Should I be concerned about prereqs taken eight years ago if I have had a full semester of upper level science classes this past semester? Hmm. Playing into that pre-med myth of classes expiring. Right, right. Now, I, I mean, I don't think... So, I guess the question is... Well, the questioner is saying, should I be concerned? So... I want to cut it off there and say, should, should I be concerned about da da da? And, and I guess if we said, yes, you should be concerned, then what would, what would you do? You know, what, what would the, what would that next step be? You're going to go back and retake all the prereqs or I don't, uh, you know, lots so, of students do that. Yeah. And I, I would say, no, don't do that. And uh, just, uh, you know, do, just continue again, micro picture. I mean, versus macro. Do do the, you know, focus in on the on the big the big picture, and you, you should be looking at that in terms of how you did in the prereqs as well as now. So, getting a little bit at that macro, this is a persistent myth. This idea that prereqs expire. Right. At Scott, having been on the admissions. Um, having been the director of admissions, do you think there's a nugget of truth to that myth? Like, where does that come from? Well, I think the issue here is what have you, you know, if you did the prereqs eight years ago and you haven't done anything course-wise since, mm-hmm. then that's a different, that's a different scenario there. That's a different picture. You haven't been in the classroom for eight, 10, 12 years, then that's a problem for a lot of medical schools because okay. you're out of the, sort of the, the the routine of studying and and, and, and concentrating on on, on uh, learning etc so I, I think that's a different question it's it's a very and, and that's where maybe that myth kind of comes from yeah. where medical schools may say well you know you're so far away you need to go back and, and take classes again yeah. uh, but it wasn't because they expired it was because we need to see you what you can do now you still enjoy being a student. You still yeah. want to be a student. Yeah. Right. And and that's not to say, right, that there isn't a school out there or a handful of schools that do have a policy of we want to see your prereqs less than five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. There are, there are some of those schools. Yeah. But that's not that's not the, the norm. No. Agreed. Yeah. I agree with that. I can't wait until we have that data from out. <laughs> right. Um. I think that was the last question we have. Yeah. So far. It's already 6.52. Yeah. yeah wow. Hey, it's gone fast. Wow. I'm a, I want to share my screen one more time. Yeah. Okay. I know look what at, you're going to show. Look, look at this. Look at this sexy thing. Oh, yeah. The pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application. Woohoo! Uh, super excited. It's on pre-order now at Amazon, probably everywhere else as well. Usually it hits all the... That's awesome. Websites. Yeah, so, that's awesome. 
I'm excited. It's that we're estimated be. 340 pages, which is I think almost a hundred more than my my biggest book. So well, it's, it's a, a it's a bigger topic. It's a big one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> that title's kind of long, though. I don't know about that. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair for all the people who don't know how much that title was agonized over oh, so hard we've wow. opted for the sake of clarity rather than brevity right. in that title I, agree. I completely agree seven more letters added on to it <laughs> it's a good book oh, uh, I'll add that to the map storefront too um, nice so for those of you who like a one-stop shopping for all your pre-med needs. <laughs> yes. I got some good good endorsements from a former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, oh, a former I, I, director of admissions at Hofstra, nice. a current admissions member at WashU, and a current uh, director of admissions at University of Illinois. So nice, well, awesome, man! I heard the I heard the UT Southwestern guy's a flake. Yeah, I debated whether or not adding him because people are going to laugh when they see it. But yeah, they'd be like, "What?" You know, one time he didn't come to work for a whole week just because <laughs> just because he had snow. no power Jeez. and no water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <ugh. laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, wait. We have time for one more. This is interesting. Sure. Yeah. Um, another question regarding MD PhD. Can schools see if you apply MD PhD to other schools, but apply only MD to their school or vice versa? If so, could that situation be looked at negatively? So basically, the question is can schools see where you applied? Your in experiences in, with TMDSAS yes, in with Texas, UK. yes, yeah, and uh, but generally across the country, I think the answer, the answer is no. Yeah. yeah, so I would. Why? Know. Why do they share that information at TMDSAS? Um, it is. It goes back many, you know, many, many, many years, decades, uh, and and I think part of it is um, the idea that. Uh, the, you know, so for example, if a student is applying to only three of the state of the school, a Texas resident is applying to only three of the schools in the, in the state and not the others, um, then, then I as an admissions director may be like, hmm, what, you know, so why are they not applying everywhere? You know, it's so easy. It's one, one price, it, you know, yeah. you know they it doesn't make really want to be here. Yeah. Do they, how bad do they really want to be a medical student? school student how, how bad they really want to be a physician and i actually had a student one time that didn't get in told me i asked him that very question and his response was well i i just didn't think i would want to live in x place for four years and i said oh, okay so in other words you'd rather not be a doctor than go live in x place for four years and he was dumbfounded he like like you know, deer in the headlights look, and he was yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, you mean that's how it's interpreted?" And I say, "Could be, could yeah. be, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah." It's it's interesting. I, I encourage everyone to go Google double AMC traffic rules and, yeah. and the traffic rules that changed a couple of years ago. Yep. Schools freaked out about this because they stopped being able to see 
where they uh, were at applying. a certain point mm-hmm. where students were applying, where they were getting in. Uh, mm-hmm. There was there was a lawsuit around is this fair or not, or are students being prejudiced because they got into one school and another school is like, ah, I'm not going to offer them an acceptance, even though I was going to. And so it's like a little bit of collusion behind the scenes of what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, and so it's very interesting with with how everything has has transpired. And I don't think it's it's really been too detrimental. Schools were really worried about it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. It seems like it's it's okay. they figured it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's always a lot of concern if if schools ask. Uh, during an interview, if I've applied elsewhere, <laughs> obviously you applied elsewhere. That's the, right. <laughs> that's the whole point of applying to medical school. Exactly. Uh, so there's there's not a lot of fear. And then, and then the other thing I've heard, um, and and I have it in the book, I think, is this 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 theory of yield protection. Right. So a school who let's let's say it's a Texas resident who's a good applicant, right? Strong stats, good extracurriculars, really good application. Texas applicant applying to LSU medical school or a a private medical school across state lines. That medical school potentially looking, going, they're a Texas resident. They're very likely going to get into Texas because they're a really good applicant, and I would mm-hmm. love to have them. So I'm not and they're going to want to stay in Texas because it's mm-hmm. cheaper, and they're a Texas resident. So I'm yep. not even going to offer them an interview, mm-hmm. even though they are a really good applicant. Yep. So a lot of schools will do that, and this is just just big game where you, <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to make sure you're you're. And, and this is where right, just looking at stats doesn't help because if you're like a super strong student and and we've had Dr. Sunny Nakai on yeah. the podcast and on, on national pre-med day last year talking about this of like, she formerly at university of California, Riverside, they would get these like five seventeen MCAT 4.0 students applying to UC Riverside because those stats are way above where mm-hmm. they're at. And UC Riverside goes, I don't care about your stats, right? Those are really good stats. You're never going to come here. So mm-hmm. I'm not even going to bother yep. interviewing you. Yep. yep. <sighs> Random tangent, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can we pre-order the book? I checked Amazon and can't find it. It is there if you just search for pre-med playbook uh, and then just scroll because it's brand new. It's it's probably lower. Yeah. You'll find it, or you can. You can also. Can't you uh, do your name? Can't you search your name? Yeah. So, Premed yeah. Playbook, Ryan Gray. The the yeah. screenshot that I just um, that I just shared. This is Amazon. It's it's there. That is Amazon currently live. So, go check it out. Awesome. All right. Another Astadine in the books. Yeah, it is. Right, it is. Good to see everybody. Take care, everybody. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.